thank you for this book. I pray that you do a work. I just do pray for the, the marriage study going on in 502, that you would bless it. The married couples, I pray for the Rock of the World workers in the nursery, Lord, that people would minister as the Holy Spirit provides, not in their own flesh. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, here's a little quiz. What is a much greater miracle that we see in the book of Jonah than Jonah, the miracle of Jonah, spending three days in the belly of a fish? What's a far greater miracle? Yes. That's right. And you weren't even there. I know. That's because you know, you already know it, you read it. But you're right. A city probably of about a million people, and every one of them was brought to the Lord. Let me tell you, the, the hearts of man are so hard, it's a greater miracle that when one person converts to Christ, three days from the belly of a whale, that's a piece of cake to the Lord. Of course, saving someone is too, but a million people, one of the greatest, the gravest revival ever recorded uh, in, in, in the Bible, in history. Um, an entire city uh, saved. And um, we learned uh, that Jonah, he fleed from the, it says, the presence of the Lord. Now, remember uh, where we've been here. You can't really flee from the presence of the Lord. We know that. You know, Psalm 139 says you can, you can go to the farthest heavens. You can go to the depths of hell. God's going to follow you there. But he fleed from we were sort of talking about this uh, this morning, that place of surrender where the Lord was powerful in his life. He fleed from that place. And uh, to me, one of the greatest messages of the book of Jonah is just how stubborn he was. There was a tremendous storm, and they, uh, he was in the bottom of, of the boat, and uh, they brought him up in the middle of the storm, and uh, they cast lots to see who had caused this terrible storm, and they, uh, the lot was cast to, to Jonah. All he had to do at that point was say, okay, God, I give up, and I go to Jonah. i rather I go to Nineveh. That's all he had to do, but he refused. Then they threw him overboard, and he wound up in the belly of the whale. And, you know, a less stubborn person, man or woman, may have relented after 25 seconds in the belly of a whale. That's a stanky place, the belly of a whale, but not him. He was so stubborn that he was there for three days before he began to call out on the Lord. And, and you know, we, we, we read the Bible not to justify our own life, not to feel, to say, you know, I'm not like Jonah, but to, Lord, where is an area where I am this stubborn? Lord, if there's an area where um, I'm, I'm as stubborn as this, please, please uh, let me know. And it, important, it, it, it's, it's truly amazing how stubborn a human heart could be. And, and it's one, and, and keep in mind, this is a believer in Jehovah. This is a believer in God here, the, the stubbornness. This is not a hardened unbeliever. This is someone who's tasted and known that the Lord is good. He is the man who knew the Psalms by memory. He quotes six of them in chapter two. He, he 
knows the Lord. But man, sometimes God's people, uh, they get, we get awfully stubborn and we refuse to obey his voice. It takes us too uh, far outside of our comfort zone. We're not okay with it. And so um, he's in the bell of the well. He starts praying to the Lord. He's quoting the Psalms there in chapter 2. And um, it says at the end of chapter 2, the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah on the dry land. And then uh, in, in, in chapter 3, um, he obeys the Lord. He goes to Nineveh and gives the, the shortest, most effective sermon in the history of the world, yet 40 days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. And they repented. They, uh, and we spent some time just talking about the, the king when the king found this out in verse 6, he says he arose from his throne, he laid aside his robe. The king did. He covered himself with sackcloth and, and ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout the whole kingdom that neither man nor beast nor herd, herd nor flock taste anything. So talk about a fast. Even the animals fasted here. And... Um, and, 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 and he said in verse 8, but let every man and beast cry mightily, mightily to God. And, and uh, we're talking about this this morning. The Lord will make sure he'll get us to the place where we're crying mightily after him. And it says, yes, let, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. You know, God doesn't like violence. Uh, some of us like violent movies. Oh, yeah, sexual immorality is not okay in movies, but violence, so there's a past. Well, that's not, uh, gratuitous violence is not something that uh, the Lord is okay with at all. Uh, verse 9 says, who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Verse 10 says, God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. In other words, it wasn't just lip service. The Bible says that if repentance is real, works will be a part of it. Uh, that works um, are deeds. Uh, the things that we do will be a f- reflection of faith. It says he relented uh, from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. And so um, that brings us to chapter four. That brings us to chapter four. It says it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. That word for displeased means uh, he burned hot, he was kindled. I mean, he, he was really angry with the Lord. And, it, you know, it's interesting that when he was first had it with the Lord and did not like what the Lord was doing, he, it says he fleed from the presence of the Lord, but here he flees into the presence of the Lord. And he actually tells the Lord what's on his mind. It's always the better route. 
Uh, we did have a, um, a wonderful devotional that, that went out this week. And it's, the devotional was written by someone in, in our fellowship. And I am always amazed at how wonderful the, 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 the devotionals are. And it's just such an encouragement to me uh, what, the, uh, what the Lord is doing in, in people's lives. Um, but in the Psalm 38, it, it, it's in, incredible how um, honest, uh, no wait, it's not Psalm 38, it's Psalm, is it, is it 55? Let me see where it is. No, let me see. Maybe it's Psalm 88. It's Heman, Haman's Psalm. No. Yes, it is. Psalm 88, it's, it's a contemplation of, of Haman. And in it, he, 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 he is just brutally honest with the Lord. He, he, he says in verse 9, My eyes waste away because of affliction. I have called daily upon you. I have stretched out my hands to you. Will you work wonders for the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise you? Um, but it says, verse 13, But to you I have cried, O Lord, and in the morning my prayer comes before you. Lord, why do you cast off my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? I have been afflicted and ready to die from my youth. I have been afflicted and ready to die from my youth. In other words, my entire life has just been trash. I suffer your terrors. I am distraught. Your fierce wrath has gone over me. Your terrors have cut me off. They come around me all day long like waters. They engulf me altogether. And loved one and friend, you have put far from me and my acquaintance into darkness. Into darkness. And, and, and the, basically what the, the devotional that went out this week, and I encourage you to read it if you haven't already read it, it, what it really was was an encouragement that, look, if you're angry at the Lord, God knows. <laughs> And it doesn't help the situation by not talking about it with him. You're just you're 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 playing a, playing a foolish game of hide and seek from the Lord. It is better just to to come out with it, and 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 really really be honest with the Lord. And and we see that in Jonah here. Uh, we see him, you know, he's being honest here before the Lord. He says he prayed to the Lord in verse 2 and said, Ah, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. And so five things. He's recognizing that the Lord is gracious, that the Lord is merciful, that the Lord is slow to anger, that the Lord is abundant in loving kindness, and that he relents from doing harm. And this is not a worship song written by Albert Kiever. 
It's a complaint. It's a complaint. God, I just don't like the fact that you're gracious and merciful and slow to anger and um, abundant in, in loving kindness. And, and um, God is dealing with him. You know, I, I mentioned when we started this book, uh, the, the, the word great fish is mentioned four times, Nineveh is mentioned nine times, Jonah is mentioned 18 times, God's mentioned 38 times. This book is a book about, this book is supremely a book about God and Jonah. It's true that the Ninevites were, 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 were saved, but I believe there's been many Ninevehs that are not recorded in the Bible. The real issue here is God wanted to deal with Jonah in a similar way he wants to deal with you. Um, great fish four times, Nineveh nine times, Jonah 18 times, God 38 times, just in four chapters. God is doing a work in Jonah's life. And he is bringing Jonah... There, You know, we can be completely blind to these areas of our life which are hard and mean and petty and, and cruel. We can be completely oblivious to it until God puts us in the belly of a whale, spits us out, and, and does something that just exposes darkness. You know, I, I, I do pray about that often, not only for myself, but in the, in the church body, that the Lord would expose darkness, that he would expose it. He does. He'll do it in your life. He'll do it in mine. And, and here's the darkness just spewing out of his mouth. But again, kind of like the, the Psalms, we learn wor- real worship here. He's just being honest with the Lord. He is being transparent with the Lord. He's saying, I knew that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, once one who relents one who relents from doing harm now if you weren't here we did discuss the Assyrians were a seriously evil cruel wicked people and you know today we have the uh, the Geneva Convention and all these rules about war and you're only allowed to do you're not allowed to kill civilians you're not allowed to kill civilians in war and you must treat prisoners in a certain way. Forget about it. You know, whatever this was 3,000 years ago um, in, in this time. The Ninevites would come in and they would wipe out uh, the entire civilian populations. As we said, some cities just committed suicide in mass rather than be, you know, subject to what the Assyrians were going to do to them. So, you can't completely look at Jonah with a judgmental heart. It's very possible that he had some relatives that were victims of the Assyrians. And, uh, but, but what did Jesus uh, say when they came to him and said, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and not love your neighbors yourself. And the Bible is a record from beginning to end of the Lord trying to bring us to that place where we love people. And uh, I've mentioned this before. It's amazing how, how much counseling we do 
here at church where it really, there's only one thing that's at issue. You gotta love your enemy or you gotta love the person who's treating you like an enemy. That, that person may be your spouse, person may be your kid or whoever, a coworker. But, in, and it's the same thing that the Lord uh, is trying to do here. And he's, he's just letting Jonah spout off, verse three, this is Jonah's complaint, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life for, from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Now. Um, suicide is a big time no-no in the word of God. So he knows he doesn't have that option. But, you know, kind of like Elijah, just take my life. You know, I'm no better than my forefathers. Just take it. And uh, I, I've said that myself to the Lord before. I, I know the feeling very well. Um, it's, it, you know, he, he's just pleading to um, the Lord here. He's just... Look, if this is what success looks like, I want to be gone. And, you know, who knows, who knows what's going to happen to Jonah when he comes back to Israel? What did you do? What in the world did you do, Jonah? You were an instrument of God's mercy, and, and, and now this nation that, that we detest that has killed so many of us, they're prospering. So who knows what was going to happen to him when he went back. And he's, he's just, he's, he's far from the heart of God. But again, this is a book supremely about God doing a work in Jonah's life. And, and Jonah says, Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Verse 4, then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? You were just in the belly of a whale. I have had so much mercy on you. And we were talking this morning about the blood of Jesus, how it covers um, all our sins. If we had any idea of what the blood has purged in our lives, the, the sin, the evil, the, 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 the record of whatever wickedness where we just run with, 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 with jealous thoughts or envious thoughts, even murderous thoughts. It's all been purged. Is it right for you to be angry with me for having mercy on the city? The Bible does say that, you know, we have our own human standard of righteousness. Jesus says, you know, you have heard that it was said, it's, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder. But I say, anyone who is angry at another, and he likens it to murder. And God wants us to get to the place where we recognize we have no right to be angry. There's this, such a thing as a righteous anger. Jesus going into the temple and wiping out the, 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 um, the, the men who were extorting from the people. But, but um, is it right to be angry when God blesses uh, someone who has been, uh, who, who, who has done a lot more, quote unquote, evil than you? You know, the question that I think all of us need to reflect upon is, 
everyone in this room, we need to reflect upon. Would we, been, would we have been any different than the Ninevites if we were born in Nineveh? Of course not. <laughs> of course not. We would be doing the exact same things as they. It's really the perspective that, that, the, that the Lord uh, wants us. He's constantly driving to that place of love. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. Uh, turn with me briefly to uh, Matthew chapter 20. I think it's Matthew 20. Yes, it's Matthew 20. If you can turn with me to Matthew 20. I love this. I love this parable because as much as any other parable explains the gospel and it just does such a great job at explaining the gospel. And some Jonah's show up at the end of the parable. And then we'll read about it. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard and he went out by, uh, about the third hour and saw others standing in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go in the vineyard and whatever is right, I give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth and he did likewise, or ninth hour, and he did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one hired us. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when, they, when those came who were hired about the 11th hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, that, uh, and they uh, likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, here they are, the Jonas. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, these last ones have work, worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who had been born the, the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with uh, me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give you uh, this last I wish to give this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish in my, with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? Is your eye evil because I am good? Is your eye evil because I'm good? <laughs> same thing. He could have said the same thing to Jonah. So the, first, so the last will be first and the first last, for many are called but few chosen. Now, uh, newer believers in Christ ha really shake their fist at this. And they don't understand what in the world um, is this all about. Sometimes you share the, the, the good news of Jesus Christ with someone, and the good news sounds like this. Man was created perfect in the image of God. He chose to sin, and there was a great separation, and there was judgment um, uh, that... That, that, that God judged him for his sin. And ever since that initial sin, we read about in um, Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says that the wrath, the judgment of God, hangs over mankind. And 
mankind has been involved in some serious rebellion against the Lord. And supremely what that rebellion was in Genesis chapter 3 is, what, what was the rebellion? Eve wanted to be like God. You eat of the fruit of the garden and you will be like God. That's why God doesn't want you to eat it. When ever since then, this is the sin. This is our sin problem. We want to be like God. We don't want to let God be God. That's a serious sin considering he's the creator's, creator of the, of the universe. It's a serious sin to, to be sinning against God like that. And as a result, there's judgment and we live under the, 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 the wrath of God. And the Bible says that there's no amount of works that we can do, good things that we can do to make up for our sin. It's impossible. It said that only one person has, has, has done the work necessary to make us free, and that's Jesus. He, last thing he said on the cross was, um, it is finished. What was finished? Everything that, all the work that was necessary to bring us to God. And so if we accept Jesus by faith like the thief on the cross, we can be on our deathbed, literally, and give our life to Christ. And Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. That guy was nailed to a cross. He had no ability to go out and try to make up for the bad things that he did. But you will tell people the good news of Jesus Christ, that it's free, it's not based on work, and they will complain, you mean you can live your whole life doing whatever you want, and then at the end of your life just say a prayer and go to heaven? And what that reveals is something very wrong in their heart. For one, a life without God is a miserable life. <laughs> those, are the, those are the people we should feel bad for. They wasted their whole life, and at the end of their life, they, they, by the grace of God, they, 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 they are, they're wonderfully saved. I mean, it's great that they're going to heaven, but what a tragic life that is. The life that is a wonderful life is a life serving the Lord. And so the fact that someone who, who, who at the very end of their life, they receive eternal life, which is really the same thing as the person who has served the Lord for 60 years, they get the same thing. None of us deserved it. None of us deserved it at all. And so anyway, I, I, I love this, this, this parable because these Jonah's, show up at the end and they complain. Just like Jonah was complaining, this isn't fair. Well, Jonah, if you had been born in Nineveh, you would have been the same way. You would have been the same way. And so, uh, is it right for you to be angry? Is it right? Verse five, so Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. So he doesn't like what the Lord is saying. And so he bolts. So at the beginning of the book, he didn't like what the Lord was saying. He went to Tarshish, and here he goes again. He doesn't like what the Lord is saying, and he, he takes off. And, and this happens. This is what we do. And I do find this in counseling all the time. People say, you know, I'm really confused. God is really confusing me, and I don't understand what he's saying. And uh, he's, he, he's preventing this from happening. And, and actually... It's not confusing at all as I talk through with a person. It's not confusing at all. It's really clear what God is saying. They just don't like it. And so they're, they're, it's a, they're in their own form. It's a way of running away from God. I'm just, I'm just all confused about what God is doing now. 
they don't like what God is doing. And he doesn't like what God is doing. And, and uh, I've been in the same place myself. And going out of the city, and he sat on the east side of the city. And there he made himself a shelter and sat in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. Now, that's a strange little verse. I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. Is he saying, well, maybe the Lord will change his mind again and destroy the city? I mean, maybe I, I'm going to hold out my ho- hope about this God of judgment, and he's going to destroy these people. Um, it appears that it's something like that, uh, till he might see what would become of the city. Verse 6 says, and the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come o- up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very gracious for the plant. It has been said that God is patient not only with um, full-on sinners, but also with ripening saints. You know, even after you've been walking with the Lord for 5, 10, 15, 30 years, God's still going to be gracious with you. He's still going to be patient with you. He's still going to suffer long with you. And uh, um, it's it's interesting here. This is the first time we see Jonah very grateful. And it is pretty sad. And again, we need to expose this word to our heart, not just point the finger at Jonah here. It's pretty sad that it's, it's all because of the Lord blessing him. He wasn't happy when the Lord was blessing others. But man, when the Lord blesses him, me, 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 uh, it says he was really glad. He was really grateful uh, for the plant. But the problem was his heart was still in the wrong place. And so God, does never, God never gives up on us. He always wants, he'll always bring us to a place where he deals with us. And it says, but as the morning dawned the next day, he prepared a worm Verse 6 says he prepared a plant. Verse 7 says he prepared a worm. Verse 8 says he prepared a vehement east wind. It's amazing how many things God has at his disposal to chasten us, to discipline us. He's got a lot of stuff, worms, plants, uh, east winds. Now, I understand from people who have been over there that there's a wind in the Middle East that comes from the east that is particularly brutal. And um, it says that it, it, as the morning dawned, verse 7, God prepared a worm, and it damaged the plant, and it withered. And so the Lord removed his shelter. The Lord removed his security so he would start thinking about where he was at, about his attitude, that he would start just an opportunity to start repenting of what was in his heart. Removed his shelter here, and then not only does he remove his shelter, it says that he prepared a, this east wind. It says, and the sun beat on Jonah's head. Poor guy, I mean, I kind of do feel sorry for Jonah. I mean, the sun beat on Jonah's head. Man, I was just in Haiti last week, and oh, the sun down there is so hot. It's so hot. You just want to run to underneath a tree or even a twig. I mean, you just want to find some kind of shade. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. 
Then he wished death for himself. He says, it's better for me to die than to live. So it happens again. He's once again just complaining uh, to the Lord then, the Lord again. It says, then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, is it right for me to be angry? And, And Jonah says, it is right for me to be angry, even to death. So here's a guy, he's got a pretty good prayer life. Uh, He's being really honest with the Lord. It is right for me to be angry. Even to death. He's shaking his fist at God. I mean, you you honestly, and I'm being completely serious here, he has a pretty cool relationship with the Lord. Um, He's honest with the Lord. You know, when you hear people pray sometimes and... They sound something like this, you know, oh gracious, awesome, infinite, unknowable God, infinite in wisdom, and, and, and they're filled with these kind of words, it, it, and, and then you listen to another person, it's like, Lord, I am so bummed out right now. I know which one really knows the Lord. It's the latter one. They may not be lo- using all the church language, but here, there's not a bunch of religious language here. He's just saying, it is right for me to be angry, even to death. Oh, man. Verse 10, but the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor even made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. So he's saying, you feel sorry for this plant and you feel sorry about it dying, should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, a million people, not great in their morality, great as a commercial center, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern their right hand from their left. It is believed, and I agree with the commentator, he's talking about little children here, who don't know yet how to tell right from wrong. They don't know yet. Um, so there's 120,000 real little kids, toddlers, who don't know uh, the, between their right hand and their left. And then famously it says, and much livestock. End of book. I love, I love these verses in the, certain books of the Bible. They end really abruptly. It's like, really? This is the end? And much livestock, it's, it's like the end. Um, I, I, I always, um, I kind of like the end of the, the entire uh, Old Testament in the book of Malachi. Uh, there's, it just ends with the oddest verse. The very end of the Old Testament says that the Lord will turn the hearts of the ch- fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Man, he, he cares about children, doesn't he? Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. End of Old Testament. Interesting um, way that the Lord uh, ends. First John ends with what? Anyone remember what First John ends with? You're smiling. Do you know? Little children stay away from idols. End of end of letter. He uses the word love how many times? A hundred, hundred thousand times in that book, and, and then he ends it with saying, "Little children stay away from idols." Period. End. Um, but. Uh, you know, the, the word of God. Should I not pin, pity Nineveh, that great city in which 
more than 120,000 persons who could not discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock. And we spent um, a couple weeks recently just talking about love. And, 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 and the Christian life is the story about God reducing you to love. That's, that's, that's what it is about. And, I, and I, I just have to repeat it again. And though I have, it says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to um, burn, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. God is, this is a story about God and Jonah and his long suffering with his own children and getting him, getting us to the place where we love. And it is a remarkable story. Just a couple um, interesting little uh, details here. There are some, I, I haven't personally listened, heard them, but there are some that believe that children before they are at the age of accountability go to hell. They're judged. But there are several verses in the Bible that indicate otherwise. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 1, Moses says, your little ones who God says to the people of Israel, your little ones who didn't know good from evil, they will inherit the land. So everyone, the people who were accountable for sin were the ones who had sinned in the wilderness. The little ones, the real little ones, the toddlers who didn't know good from evil, they, they had not reached an age of accountability yet. And so they were not judged Many of you know the story of David. He sinned with Bathsheba, and his son became ill, and, and he fasted, and he didn't eat anything. And then after his son died, the servants came to him, and because he had gotten up after his son died, and he washed himself, and he began to eat. He says, well, why are you doing this? Why? We don't understand what's going on. Shouldn't you be fasting now? And he said, no. When my son was alive, who could tell whether the Lord would be gracious? But now that he is gone, I know he cannot come to be with me, but one day I will be with him. That's just a wonderful comfort for those who have had miscarriage, for those who have had abortions, um, and have come, you know, have come to the Lord uh, and understand these things. It's, it's a wonderful promise to those who have, have lost little ones. God cares about little children. He really, really does. And uh, he cares about the city of Nineveh. Every human being is made in the image of God. And it is because of the spread of faith in Christ First, in you know, uh, it started in Jerusalem, and then it went out to all nations. That the nation, that the whole concept of, of individual rights emerged, because even one life, it's made in the image. Uh, that life is made in the image of God. 
And uh, so he rebukes, um, he rebukes Jonah here. Now, apparently, and this I guess you would call sanctified speculation, but I would say super sanctified speculation. <laughs> Jonah comes around at some point, right? Because why? We have the book of Jonah. And uh, he probably wrote the book. And he was pretty honest about his own shortcomings, right? His own sins. The, the places in his life where he had, had fallen short. And uh, it's a powerful thing. You know, our testimonies are a powerful thing. And when we're transparent with the people of God, what the Lord, what the Lord can do. Okay. So now we're, we, we, um, we have finished the book of Jonah. We will, next Sunday, God willing, if we're still here, we will be in the book of Micah.